0: Just go to indeed.com slash blue wire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's indeed.com slash blue wire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed.
1: Is Calvin Ridley back? How about Tony Pollard? How about DJ Moore? How about Joe Burr? Oh, too soon. You listen mm. to the RotoWire Fantasy Football Podcast coming up with Nick Whalen and I. Hey everybody, welcome to the Rotowire Fantasy Football Podcast. Jeff Erickson here with Nick Whalen. Uh hopefully you had a better week eleven than I did. Hopefully you had a Nick Whalen-esque week eleven. Nick, how are you?
2: Uh I'm good, man. I'm good. The uh you know there's there's a lot of pressure, uh maybe enforced by me on the Jaguars uh coming into yesterday's game against Tennessee, you know, kind of felt like a um, all right, you know, what kind of team is this type of game? And, you know, for them to come through the way they did, you mentioned Calvin Ridley in the intro, uh, looking forward to to breaking down his big two touchdown game yesterday. But uh, I know you want to back up and, you know, start with the Bengals-Ravens game on Thursday night. And we've, we've had a few days now for, uh, you know, unfortunate news to come through really on both sides of this game, but especially for Cincinnati. And I'm curious now to kind of see what your outlook is for the rest of the season now that for better, for worse, and probably worse, we you know it's going to be Jake Browning.
1: Yeah, life isn't over, but this season pretty much is. Um, I yep. I, I don't think he'll be, I don't think Jake Browning will be the worst quarterback on the field every single week, but he'll probably be a bottom five quarterback. I mean, the thing is, he's untested. Uh, yep. And with practice reps, with time, with that, with good keys, you know, good offense that he has the keys to, uh, he might be okay sometimes. But it's definitely a, just a difference there. Uh, just a big, huge difference there. And, th- and they're five and five, too, to go to make, you know, it's not like they're a seven and three team. Like, OK, we can just get OK quarterback and get by, make it to the playoffs. They're probably not going to make the playoffs here, especially with that schedule. They get the Steelers this week at Jacksonville in two weeks. Uh, it's just, you know, you know, they still have the Chiefs on the schedule. It, yeah. It's not pretty. They got the Browns still one more time. Uh, there's, that's a lot of tough games out there. Minnesota still too, is not going to be in a a cakewalk. We've seen that. Um, by the way, Nick, I might as well throw this out here now. It is another week of quarterback insecurity. Cincinnati's changing the jets. We know they've made a change. We'll get to them later. Uh, Seattle's iffy with Geno Smith's elbow, New England might make a change. Atlanta has made a change back to Desmond Ritter. The saints don't know if they'll have Derek Carr this week. The Steelers, they should be thinking about it there um and you know Cleveland obviously this is week two of DTR but it's still like it's still new to them it's a lot of a lot of you know just a lot of overturn at the position
2: yeah you're right uh Mason Rudolph was trending on Twitter this morning uh which is historically never a good thing uh you know in in conjunction of course with Kenny Pickett who uh, you know the Steelers just kind of look like themselves yet again last week and for a while it felt like they were going to kind of pull off another miracle win while just looking terrible the entire afternoon but uh you know thankfully for uh you know some of our gambling interests the the Cleveland Browns were able to pull that out I mean it's it's kind of becoming the story of the season right I mean not just some of the big name quarterbacks but really more so the mid to, to lower tier even, even some of the starters that we were curious to kind of see all right you know somebody like Desmond Ritter does he have it this year like he, he's gotten replaced and he sounds like he's going to come back uh and and now be the the Falcons quarterback again I mean it's we we've talked all year about some of the low totals that we've had. And believe me, there are, there are a few ghastly ones uh, on the week 12 slate already. I don't think that's changing, you know, and you, you take Joe Burrow away from Cincinnati. That's a team that, uh, you know, as you mentioned, like, yeah, they're, they're five and five right now. They, they could have been five and five, even if Burrow doesn't get hurt. You know, that's probably a 50, 50 game against Baltimore anyway. Correct. Uh, so you, you could argue that even with a healthy Joe Burrow, this is a team that, you know, has some, has some hay to make uh, in order to make the playoffs. I, I think they ultimately would have done that, but. Really, both playoff pictures in both conferences have have been completely reshaped uh, by the the quarterback attrition. And you know, all of a sudden, it's it's completely conceivable that you know both Houston and Jacksonville now could make the playoffs in the AFC. Whereas, you know, if you have a, a fully functioning Cincinnati Bengals team, that's one that you just pencil in for a spot, right? And you know, I think the Browns, even though they won this past week, you got to wonder what the rest of their season looks like if they stick with DTR, whether it's him or PJ Walker. Uh, but to to kind of put a bow on the Bengals discussion. You know, I'm I'm open to, to Jake Browning, right? We'll see. Obviously, he's not going to give you Joe Burrow level quarterback play. That's just not going to be mm-hmm. a possibility. But you know, experienced quarterback at the college level, somebody played really well at Washington. I, I think there's reason to believe that he could just be a decent game manager. But like you said, this is not a Bengals team that's sitting at you know like seven and three right now, and you, all you need him to do is just kind of limp you you know to two or three wins, and, and you get a wild card spot and see what happens. It's like you even with a burrow, like a healthy burrow, you would need to you know, really go on a run here to end the season. It, it just seems unlikely. I mean, five of their seven remaining opponents are top 10 defenses in the NFL. The Colts and the Vikings are the only two exceptions. So there are teams out there that have tougher schedules the rest of the way. Like yeah, We'll talk about Seattle and the, the gauntlet that they have coming up over the next month. But you know, for, for a quarterback who's so experienced in, in Jake Browning to have to go up against Steelers, Jags, Steelers again, Chiefs, Browns it's It's an uphill battle, and I, I just don't see Cincinnati getting in, unfortunately,
1: yeah, unfortunately. I just think it's ironic that uh, Baltimore is the team with the healthy quarterback and no no questions there uh, for in the division there. They do not have Mark Andrews, unfortunately. He got hurt in the very first drive of the game and he's out for the season. Go snap up Isaiah likely, three percent rostered in Yahoo. Uh, he, he'll probably be a top 12 tight in the rest of the way. He's not obviously going to mimic Andrews production, but we saw plenty of games where he was valuable last year when Andrews was hurt.
2: Yeah. I've always liked Isaiah likely, you know, I think he showed a few flashes last year and, you know, never really fully turned the corner, even with, uh, you know, Mark Andrews missing some time. But, uh, you know, I, I think there's reason to believe that, that he's going to be the guy now and they're, they're going to rely on him, right. They're going to need to, I mean, taking away Mark Andrews is a, a huge, huge piece For this Ravens offense and you know I was talking to our guy John McKechnie who we'll have on on Sirius XM later tonight we'll get his full take on on Mark Andrews and you know he he was relatively optimistic you know he still thinks you know Baltimore can win this division we were talking about it more in context with okay week 12 they got the Chargers he's like yeah I don't I don't really know if they need Mark Andrews for that game but it's still a huge blow when you're talking about you know long term goals for Baltimore, uh, you know, especially with, with, you know, Buffalo looking shaky and even Miami looking a little bit shaky. You know, certainly I certainly don't think we trust Jacksonville. Obviously Kansas city is always going to be in that mix, but the AFC, you know, the path to the Super Bowl through the AFC feels a lot more open and available now than it did even three or four weeks ago when, you know, it just felt like this, this was this super gauntlet of a conference. And you know, obviously the Rogers injury has kind of changed things. The Watson injury has changed things, but you know, that door is still there for Baltimore. You just wonder it's like is, is losing Mark Andrews it's not the difference between winning or losing against the chargers, but it might be the difference between winning or losing against Kansas city or Miami or Jacksonville or whoever it is in the AFC title game.
0: Yeah.
1: As uncle Ted points out in the chat, uh, OBJ, go get him too. Uh, he was already getting a lot of work. Now he did aggravate his shoulder, uh, or hurt his shoulder in the, in the win. Uh, so we'll watch for practice reports on that this week, but yeah, his his Mm -hmm. value definitely took a rise up. All right. This is all supposed to be a happy occasion though, Nick, Uh, So let's talk about your resurgent Jacksonville Jaguars.
2: Yeah, let's do it, man. 34-14 over Tennessee. Uh, Got off to a a little bit of a slow start, but the defense, you know, kind of reasserted itself after a disaster game last week against the 49ers. I think this was exactly the type of performance that we wanted to see from the Jags. I think you could argue it was Trevor Lawrence's best game of the year. It was his best fantasy game in a very long time. Uh, You know, two touchdowns through the air, 262 yards, no picks two rushing touchdowns, something he had not done at all right. this season. You know, we, we've actually seen Lawrence, I think, run pretty effectively. It's just the touchdowns haven't really been there. And that was something, you know, if you're taking him as QB6, QB7, whatever it was, you know, you're factoring in maybe four or five rushing touchdowns, something we thought would be a more, you know, concerted effort to to be a part of this offense this year. So to, to see that finally unlocked, even though we're 11 weeks into the year, that was great. Uh, you know, Ted Bigsby had some positive plays in this game. Uh, You know, I, I think at one time they ran him eight times in a row when they were just burning clock at the end. Uh, but this was, this was an extremely one-sided game. You know, Tennessee could not run the ball whatsoever as expected. Uh, They had a couple of like, you know, trick plays in there that, you know, one of them resulted in a long touchdown. Uh, their other touchdown was caught by Jeffrey Simmons, uh, which is something you normally do when you're like up 20 rather than down 20 is, you know, get your star defensive tackle uh, a touchdown. But uh, yeah, both of the both of the scoring plays, both of the scoring drives for, for Tennessee were a little bit fluky. I thought Jacksonville dominated this game uh, to a level that they, they really haven't at any point this season. So uh, a lot of encouraging things coming out on the Jacksonville side. And obviously for fantasy purposes, Calvin Ridley, nine targets, seven catches, 103 yards, two touchdowns. Uh, both of them really nice throws, got kind of a back of the end zone, getting the feet down uh, as has become the Jags MO all year.
1: Yeah. Uh, and meanwhile, Tennessee side, it, there's a lot of yeah. You know, I, I follow Mike Herndon who uh, covers the Titans. I think for Paul mm-hmm. Uh, and he's like so down on them. And uh, he's like, bad. you know, do I? Do you want me to focus more on draft content or re, or you know reviewing the rest of this disaster of a season, something of that nature? There, yeah. um, it's not. And the thing is, like we knew, like the offensive line was going to be probably pretty bad. Sure enough, it's pretty bad. The defense has actually been really bad too.
2: Yeah, well, certainly trading away Kevin Byard a few weeks ago felt like kind of yeah. an indication, right? And, and Tennessee has sat on the fence for really the, the last couple of years here as far as like, all right, are we, are we blowing this thing up? Are we turning to a young quarterback like Will Levis? Or are we you know trying to scratch a claw our way to nine wins and, and just kind of pull some Mike Frable magic? Uh, and so you know, bringing in DeAndre Hopkins this offseason kind of felt like they were leaning toward the latter, but then trading Kevin Byard, you know, making the decision to go with Levis, even as Ryan Tannehill works back to full health, um, I, I think Tennessee sees the writing on the wall. I mean, they're, they're three and seven. Now they've, they've not won a road game. They're 0 and six on the road this season. And you know, they're, they're now in my mind completely out of it, certainly in the, the AFC South race, but even in the playoff race, I mean, they have, they have the second worst record in the entire AFC ahead of only new England.
1: Yeah. Um, which is just new England being at the bottom is even just more eye opening there, but it's kind of crazy. Yeah. Salim asked, do I worry about Jamar chase and Derrick Henry? Yeah. Um, Yes. Yes. Although you're going to keep starting chase and Henry, I think if you have them, but yeah, you're not happy about either situation. This was yet another disappointing game for Henry. I still kept him around like 10. He had such a rich history against Jacksonville and just could do nothing. And he's had more nothing games this year than I can ever remember.
2: Yeah, he had a huge – I think it was a huge first half against the Jags uh, in a game that Tennessee ultimately ended up blowing. It was late last season, week 14. He had 121 rushing yards, had a long catch and run in that game as well. He's always showed up against the Jags. And I think part of it is, you know, Derrick Henry's getting older. Tennessee's offensive line is terrible. But the Jags' defense, man, uh, I guess unless they're playing the San Francisco 49ers, this remains a really impressive unit. I I still don't really fully understand – how they're doing this. I mean, they're getting great secondary play. I I still think the linebacker leaves some to be desired. I think that's a a bit of a weakness, but uh, you know, this is a a bonafide top 10 defense and you know, they haven't played the most difficult schedule to date, but you know, KC, Buffalo, San Francisco, those are all factored in there. Uh, They've been a a really good defense. And I think we have to kind of treat them as such going forward. You know, with Henry, it just feels like you got to play out the string. It's going to be pretty underwhelming, you know, probably have one or two more hundred yard days in there, but you just gotta lower your expectations for him at this point. Uh with Jamar Chase, I think you're I think you're, you're hoping that you just kind of get like a, a slightly elevated version of like a Garrett Wilson season the rest of the way.
1: Yep. Uh God. Yeah, probably. Uh maybe I don't know. I, I think Jake I take Jake Browning over whichever Jets quarterback we see. Oh, yeah. yeah. Yes, exactly. That's, that's why I say Rogers. slightly
2: elevated. Yeah. yeah. And I, I also think Jamar Chase is better than Garrett Wilson. And I love Garrett Wilson, but I, yeah. I think Jamar Chase, like he can I, I think you got to be realistic about what the ceiling is. You know, the, I agree. the 15, the 15 for one ninety two and three touchdown games. Those are, those are probably not coming the I rest think of the way. Deep,
1: the deep dimes are gone. That's for yeah. sure.
2: Yeah. And especially with those tough defensive matchups, like we said, five of their last seven games come against top 10 defenses. Like there's, there's not a lot playing in his favor, uh, but you know, it's, it's a bar chase. Like you said, you're not leaving him on the bench unless, and, and you know, unless Jake Browning just looks like a complete disaster against Pittsburgh this week, which I don't really expect. Like, I, I, I think you, He's very clearly probably a bottom five to 10 quarterback. But if he could just give you some competent play, you know, I I think you're still going to be pretty comfortable starting Jamar Chase. Ultimately, you don't really have another option.
1: Yeah. And you don't have the deficit that is the Jets offensive line, which is truly one of the worst units in the NFL. It
2: got worse last night. Yeah. Yes.
1: Uh, Benson points out about Jacksonville going to Houston next week. Houston's got a a huge, huge matchup. Houston's got a good track record lately. Nine of the last ten.
2: I know, I know. Jags got smacked by Houston in Jacksonville in week three. Uh, I mean, I, I think that, I think this game could ultimately decide the AFC South. I, I think it really could. I, I do think both yep. teams have a pretty good chance to, to end up making the playoffs, but it's by no means a guarantee, right? I still think Buffalo's laying in the weeds at six and five. I mean, Jacksonville really cannot cannot afford to slip up here. I mean, they do, they do catch a pretty major break because they get Cincinnati in two weeks and that one, you know, looked like it was going to be really dicey. Now all of a sudden you're getting Jake Browning. So that's huge. Yeah. Uh, but you know, they, they still got to play the Browns. They still got to play the Ravens. Uh, their, their schedule does ease up at the end though. They finish with the Buccaneers, the Panthers and the Tennessee Titans, but Houston has an even easier schedule the rest of the way. So I'm, you know, if I was nervous for this Titans game, imagine how I feel about going to Houston now this weekend.
1: Yeah, no doubt about that. Um, I wanted to make one other related point, but I lost it. So we're going to move on because it's a long, Oh, Mike Grable, Yes. I saw his name uh, as a hot seat guy. I mean, there's a lot of hot seats this week. Mm -hmm. I have a hard time imagining him being on the hot seat. I don't pin any of this on him. Maybe it probably should a little bit, but because let's face it, everybody, everybody's got their hands in this a little bit, but I don't feel like he's the one that's assembling this offensive line and trading away Kevin Byard. So I don't know.
2: No, I I'd, I'd be very surprised if they try to pin this on Mike Vrabel. Uh, you know, I think if anything, he kind of feels like the type of coach that wouldn't want to go through a rebuild. So, I think if that if that's the direction that Tennessee pivots to in a in a major way, you know, it's like I, I don't I don't think they would fire Mike Vrabel. But you know, maybe that would be an opportunity for him to jump to a different job. I, I know there's been some Mike Vrabel Patriots rumors. You know, if they were to move on for Belichick, I think there's there's an obvious connection there. Uh, but no, I think to pin this on Vrabel is is insane. I, I think he's on the He's on the very short list of coaches who've maximized their talent uh, throughout his tenure in Tennessee. So I, I don't I don't put a whole lot of credence into that.
1: Yeah, and uh, it, it strikes me as like Andy Reid. If he got uh, let go, he'd be snatched up within a week. Oh, good. Yeah. Um, no question. There, might, there might there teams would risk Rooney Rule violations just to snap him up. I yeah. think. Um, all right. Speaking of hot seats, let's talk Washington and the Giants. There. Oh boy. Leaky tugboat, Ron. Um, How did I, we know the commander's secondary is bad, but I mean, what a a pass funnel they are. If Tommy DeVito can, can tear you up.
2: I, is this the worst loss that anybody's taken all year? I think it might be. And obviously the commanders have already lost to the giants when they were slightly less decrepit uh, a few weeks ago, but man, I mean, to, it's one thing to lose this game, but to, to lose it by two scores. To Tommy DeVito, I mean, I think Washington closed as, what, eight-and-a-half-point favorite. They were ten-and-a-half, uh, ten at one point uh, around this time last week. Oh, man, it was ugly. Six turnovers for the Commanders, uh, as noted Commanders fan Magic Johnson astutely pointed out oh. uh, on Twitter last night. I mean, they they, they did everything they possibly could to, to lose this game, right? And Washington outgained the Giants by, you know, well over 100 yards. Uh, you know, I, I, Sam Howell obviously threw three picks, but played a, an otherwise very Sam howell type of game, you know, you knew when Washington came out and fumbled the second half kickoff when, you know, you're like, all right, it, it's 14 to nine. We had a, we had a terrible first half. Let's buckle down. It's Tommy DeVito. It's the Giants. We'll be all right. right. You They're know, getting the ball out of half, they fumbled that. Uh, you, you just knew it was going to be one of those games where every single thing went against the commanders. And, and a lot of it was self-inflicted. You know, it's not like, I'm not going to say they got unlucky by any means. I mean, this is kind of who the commanders are, but my goodness, I mean, losing, losing handily to this version of the Giants is, 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 is rock bottom as it gets.
1: It's embarrassing. I mean, before they threw the game ceiling pick six, I think they got bailed out twice on penalties there. Now they were penalties, but the twice uh, that kept the drive alive for them. Six turnovers. Who has two thumbs and got knocked out by the commanders in my other survivor pool? This guy. Uh, me and Shu are in another pool there. We were down to five of us. There's down to three of them now. Um, and I should know better. I mean, should totally know better. Uh, I don't know,
2: man. I don't know, man. Like I, I could see the commanders not covering, but to again, to lose this game the way they did, I mean, at home, this is insane. And it, you know, it's, it's also one thing to have six turnovers, but to also force no turnovers on a Tommy DeVito offense. Yeah. I, I just, I don't they got nine that.
1: sacks somehow and it's lost. Yeah. Think about I that. Think they had
2: six or seven in the they have six in the first quarter.
1: Yeah. Uh, five five six, in I mean, the his... first quarter, six by halftime, I think. And, yeah. just...
2: and it somehow didn't matter. I mean, just, just crazy. I mean, you got to tip your cap to Saquon Barkley. You know, we talked a lot coming into this game about you know, his health yeah. and he was kind of on the injury report all week. And I don't think they, I, I honestly don't think they win this game without Saquon. I mean, that's, that's the no, offense of right now yeah. is just, you know, get the ball to Saquon, whether it's handed it off to him or, or through the air. He went four for 57 with two receiving touchdowns in this game. Uh, you know, Jerry Slayton had a long touchdown. He ended up getting knocked out of the game. Yeah. Uh, which which felt like was going to be big in the second half. And somehow it wasn't, man. I mean, this is this is the commanders. I, I, I think we we use them in Circa. You use them in Survivor. And I think we've learned our lesson.
1: Yeah, I never take I never take them to cover as a favorite. I've, I've finally you know convinced myself of that rule. Take them as a dog. Never take them as a favorite. Uh, you don't always have to take him as a dog, but never ever lay the points with the Commanders. Just anytime good things are expected, and the perfect coda was that the showers didn't work for either locker room yeah, afterward. There, uh, uh, just just why? Come on, uh, it's not that old of a stadium. Like get get your stuff together there. Yeah, um, yeah it, it, Terry McLaurin is every week. It's five for forty three. Maybe you get a touchdown one week. Way yeah. you don't. Dotson went three for 23, did get the touchdown courtesy of Curtis Samuel getting kicked out for that bizarre fight after the Sam Howell rushing touchdown. Yeah. Yeah. Sam Howell is fantasy goodness, but he's not a real life. Good quarterback. Three turn three interceptions. Uh, just ugly, ugly game all around.
2: Ugly game. Ugly game. Uh, you know, you got to say some good things about the Giants though. I suppose Uh saw a stat that, you know, Tommy DeVito, Somehow had three passing touchdowns in this game, which is something that uh, Daniel Jones has not done since 2019 uh, mm. in terms of things that we did not expect uh, coming out of this one. 18 of 26 for 246 and those three touchdowns, two to Saquon, one to Darius Slayton. Uh, th- this doesn't really, it doesn't really change my calculus on the Giants. I think I think the, if anything, it's just, man, we got to give a, a pretty big downgrade to the commanders. And uh, man, are, are we treated to uh, you know, a real nice matchup on Sunday Giants home for the New England Patriots looking forward to watching that oh,
1: goody not if, if I were still alive in Survivor, I would not be able to use either of those two teams no um, all right uh, we're on the blue wire network here are their ads
0: we're driven by the search for better but when it comes to hiring the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all don't search match with indeed indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to indeed data
1: All right, thanks for your indulgence. Uh, let's move on to Detroit, Chicago, where we thought we had double survivor calamity early in the morning, mm-hmm. or the, for me, morning, the morning slate. Uh, but the Lions got their miracle comeback, 17 fourth quarter points. Uh, Jared Goff, really bad game for his his cool. purposes. Remember we had that long, no interception streak? Uh, mm-hmm. Three, at home. He's supposed to be better at home. No, he wasn't better at home. Uh, just really, really, this is they got pretty lucky in this one to get away, especially because Justin Fields played pretty darn good in his first game back.
2: Yeah. And the bears were, you know, very, very close to icing this with what would have been a long shot to, uh, to, to Scott down the sideline on a, yep. uh, on a third down Tyler Scott, who it was, I, I thought a really good throw by Justin Fields. And if, if you watch it, you know, watch it back from a different angle, you can kind of see Tyler Scott slows up for just about That's two right. steps. And That's if right. he just keeps running, I, I think that lands right in the bread basket, and the bears probably sealed this game. So yeah, Detroit, I mean, extremely, extremely lucky to escape with a, a straight up win here. We almost got the cover uh at the end. Uh oh, where, where I know. Chicago and I took a safety. That. Yeah, the ball was like somewhat intentionally, slash maybe not intentionally kicked out of the end zone. If Aiden Hutchinson just jumps on that, he's basically falling into the end zone uh for what would have sealed Detroit minus eight. Uh but nonetheless, I mean, still I, I think if you you know if, if you use Detroit in Survivor this week, if you still have them or if you're in a pick'em league, I mean you'll you'll kind of take it, even though it was ugly. And I you know you mentioned Goff. This was his worst game in a long time. I mean, all three picks were pretty rough. Uh, just the type of throws that we just haven't seen from Jared Goff for the most part mm-hmm. uh, since he came to Detroit. I, I think there's a way to spin this where, you know, the old Lions, the old Jared Goff, they don't come back and win this game, right? I mean, they, they were dead to rights. It felt like a couple of times in the second half. And then to, you know, to, to hold Detroit or hold Chicago to a field goal midway through the fourth quarter after a long plodding drive that went for almost nine minutes, you get a quick touchdown in less than a minute and a half right after that, force the three and out. Uh, And then go down with what was a just really well executed touchdown drive. You know, mixing in plenty of run plays. A lot of teams get get pass happy, even if you have time late in a game. And I I thought Detroit just kind of ran its normal offense. Like got got Jameer Gibbs, got David Montgomery involved on the ground when Chicago was expecting pass. Um, So you know, obviously disappointing in a lot of ways. If you're Detroit, I made them my best bet. I thought this was a smash spot for the Lions at home. Um, But you know, for a team that that still views itself as a contender and rightfully so, I, I think there's there's a way to look at this and say, all right, you know, in the past. This is a game that we would have crumbled. We would have fallen in on ourselves in the second half. We would have found a way to lose. And instead, you know, part of it's on the Bears for being the Bears. But, uh, you know, I, I think Detroit escaping here was was impressive the way they finished.
1: Yeah, I mean, there was four minutes and 15 seconds left in the game when Detroit, uh, when the Bears went up 26-14. Yep. That, that's amazing. Yep. That's an escape. They got the big play from Jamison Williams finally. Uh, they needed that. They got, you know, Taylor Scott not only not, not, not catch the uh, – uh, the long ball, but he also fumbled away at possession too, so yeah. i mean he he really you know he messed up a couple of different times there uh the fumble uh when did the fumble fumble came fumble actually didn't cost them uh, a score it didn't didn't turn into a score i think uh it was like
2: i think i think it did right that was in the that was in like early second quarter,
1: yes, you're right, it did it did yeah, I was looking in the second half for it that's right that's why I was like, yeah, sure did.
2: Yeah, so that was big at the time. I mean, uh, you know, you, that, that made it 7-7, and you felt like, all right, Detroit, you know, they gave up a touchdown on the first drive. They, right. they had just thrown two picks on the previous two drives. And, you know, you kind of felt like that's when they were going to take off. And, you know, ironically, the Lions led this game at the half. Like, it, it, you know, you felt pretty good about the cover if you were a Lions better. Uh, but, you know, did, I, I, you know, we talked a lot about the upgrade from from Bayon to Fields. How big is it? Like, you know, Justin Fields' numbers weren't jumping off the page in this game, passing 16-23 to 23 for 169. 18 carries for 104 yards i mean that is yep. that is the big difference and you know time and time again he was able to, to kind of get the edge and you know had a couple of long runs but really to me it's more about you know it, it's more about evading a sack and then picking up three four five extra yards when you're kind of scampering along the sideline that virtually every other quarterback other than like lamar jackson and a couple others are not getting murray yeah. and yeah yeah kyler i mean you could you could even throw josh allen in there but yeah i thought justin fields played a, a really good game I, I think he looked about as well as he could uh, considering he's coming off of a, a thumb injury to his throwing hand certainly helped dj Moore. he went seven for 96 broke like eight tackles uh on the way to a to a touchdown uh, but yeah i mean not not a whole lot to say here you mentioned jamison williams you know made some positive impact plays i actually i love the spot for sam laporta i i had the over on four and a half catches i had the over on 15 and a half wow. yards he was very 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 quiet three for 18 only against the team that allows the most fantasy points per game to tight ends
1: and he, he did have the two-point conversion, but yeah, it was definitely a disappointing yeah. day for him. Uh, Bears running backs, Khalil Herbert had 16 carries in his return, but only 35 yards. Didn't have that burst. Uh, also yeah. had two catches. Uh, Deonta Foreman got the touchdown, but then hurt his ankle, only had six yeah. carries. So that led to Roshan Johnson being back in the mix. Uh, six for 30 on that for him. They get uh, The Bears get at Minnesota this upcoming week, then a bye, and then the Lions again, so not a great spot to go run out and pick up Johnson or activate Herbert.
2: Yeah. A couple other quick notes on that. I mean, Deontay Foreman was the clear starter. He was the guy getting most of the snaps, most of the carries before the injury. Yeah. And after he went out, Herbert played 20 of his 32 snaps. So it, it did look like it was going to be you know still Deontay Foreman as the guy this week. Uh, obviously we got to monitor that ankle injury and uh, kind of assess from there uh, going forward. But I, I still think, you know, if, if Deontay Foreman ends up being healthy and it's not a, a long-term absence. I think he'll have some say in that backfield. And then on the Detroit side, we did see we did see the debut of uh, Donovan Peoples-Jones, but only played three snaps. So you know, still working his way into that rotation, and we'll see where he ultimately ends up making an impact. But you know, trailed St. Brown, Reynolds, Williams, and even Khalif Raymond pretty significantly in terms of playing time.
1: I'll hold my breath waiting for that to happen yeah. there for him. Big, big stuff there. Uh, another hot coach, a hot seat game. Maybe both coaches were kind of on the hot seat a little bit. Now one emerges definitely on there, and Brandon Staley, after the Packers finally, oh finally boy. get a win, where they're on the good side of variance because the charging once again was fierce, my friend.
2: Was there any better way for this game to start than both teams going out on downs on their first possessions? Yeah, like, you, you just are like, all right, here we go. This is exactly the type of game we expected Uh for the second week in a row. I, I actually thought Justin Herbert played pretty well played really well he was victimized by four huge drops uh by the chargers one of which was a donald parham drop on a fourth down just wide open over the middle uh keenan Mm. allen had two very uncharacteristic drops both of which may have been touchdowns uh one of them for sure would have been and they settled uh, for for field
1: goals on both of those drives too
2: they did they did uh you know one of them was kind of on the you know near the pylon in the corner i don't know if he would have been able to get his way into the end zone but would have been close the other one Uh, you know, just literally hit him right in the chest off the shoulder pads. And I think there were some issues maybe with the light coming in on, on one side of Lambeau field. They mentioned that on the broadcast and you could kind of tell Keenan Allen was almost confused himself. Like, how did I drop that? How did how did I not get my hands on it? Uh, But you know, both of those plays, huge, huge game changers for the chargers. I I think if Keenan Allen (laughs) makes one of those catches, they probably win this game. Um, But I mean, this is disaster, disaster mode now for the chargers who are four and six, you know, Brandon Staley got a little testy in the press conference. Like Justin Herbert was, you know, screaming at guys, spiking the football, you know, after, a, I think it was a delay of game. Yeah. late. He's like, uh, snap just not, the not, damn ball. Yeah. Yeah. Not the type of thing that you see from Justin Herbert almost ever. I think he kind of realizes where this season is going and, you know, ended up being an okay day for Austin Eckler, 10 for 64, 6.4 mm-hmm. yards per carry. Uh, we did hit our over on 55 and a half yards for him, but he looked alarmingly slow. Uh, he had one breakaway run down the sideline where it's like, I like got watching Terrell Bettis right now. Not Austin Eckler <laughs> had a had a massive fumble too at the, yeah, at the goal line. line. Like yeah. like those those four drops were huge for L.A. You could argue Austin Eckler like tripping over himself and then just basically dropping the ball right at the two yard line. That was probably the single biggest play of the game.
1: Yeah, and he only had two catches for six yards on you know so yeah. you, you didn't get your goodness there. Yeah, um, I, I I think we need to see more of that out of Herbert um, a little bit there more Philip Rivers out of him. Um, just to get you know, get these guys in gear. Yeah. It was just the Quentin Johnston drop too. Oh, oh my goodness. goodness. Oh no. Such How nice do you, throw. what you do, Quentin Johnston? That that was the Tyler boy drop of the week right there. Um, that
2: was brutal. And I mean, I don't know if he scores a lot of people were saying, Oh, it would have been the game when he touched out. Maybe he gets caught from behind at the very least you're set up for what's make a makeable field goal and you're going to overtime, but he probably, yeah. you know, if he makes the catch, he probably runs away with it. I mean, it's a horrible coverage by whatever Packers like third string corner was out there. Yeah, that was that was kind of the, the the play that's emblematic of Quentin Johnston's season right now, and you know opportunity has been wide open. We we knew it coming in, right? We said one of Mike Williams and Keenan Allen, if not both, those guys are going to get hurt, and this is where Quentin Johnson is going to step up. And he's he's had what five six weeks straight now of opportunity since Mike Williams went down. And I mean, this is we're reaching like Jalen Rager status right now with Quentin Johnson. I mean, that drop was was absolutely brutal. That is a potentially season-ending drop.
1: Yeah. Uh. Afterwards, he goes. I gotta concentrate better. Like, you have one job. What do you mean you have? To? I mean, yes. At least you. Okay. Credit for taking blame and not saying, "Well, the sun got in my eyes" or something like that. No. He he, he took the blame for the drop. But oh my goodness, Nelson Aguilar is like, oh my god. Like someone teach this man how to catch. Um. Just yeah. oh, so bad. Uh. It just it, it, you're like, oh no. And you just knew the game was over after that. Yes,
2: that was their chance. That was their chance. And, you know, Green Bay is vulnerable to the big plays. We saw, you know, Stone Smart, of all people, uh, (laughs) rip off a long touchdown, breaking some tackles. Like, the Green Bay secondary is vulnerable in those situations. And, yeah, you're you're breathing a sigh of relief if you're the Packers because the game probably should have ended uh, with a long Quinton Johnston touchdown, putting the Chargers up four. And, you know, at that point, I don't think Green Bay would have really had much time. We've not talked about the Packers side at all. I mean, this is now – Three straight, pretty encouraging games for Jordan Love. I, I said last week was the best game of his of his career. I think he might have he might have one upped it. 27 of 40, 322, two touchdowns. You still see, you know, some of the highlight throws downfield. Jaden Reed, uh the rookie out of Michigan State, he's emerging as a big time playmaker, like the type of guy that the Packers just really haven't had in a yep. long time. You know, kind of the like early career Randall Cobb type of player. Uh, the guy that I think they thought Amari Rodgers was going to be a <laughs> few years ago during the the Aaron Rodgers days, but Jaden Reed looks electric, you know, took a a wide receiver reverse 32 yards for a touchdown and some other big catches and runs. Dontavian Wicks, of all people, had a huge 35-yard gain uh, that helped set up Green Bay's final touchdown drive. And then it was Romeo Dobbs uh, bringing in one of his five catches uh, and a pretty nice throw, nice catch by him to go up and get it uh, for what was ultimately the game-winning score. Christian Watson got the end zone. You know, if it's not a contested catch, he'll make it. Still pretty <laughs> underwhelming, two for twenty-one, and that that touchdown is really bailing you out fantasy-wise.
1: Yeah, quick turnaround for them on Thursday night. Uh, yep. No Aaron Jones, probably, although it looks like they avoided the absolute worst with him. Thank goodness. Yeah. Uh, but I I'd be stunned if he plays this week.
2: Yeah, he's not playing Thursday, but like you said, I mean, he he even himself said like, yeah, I thought I tore my ACL, and it turns out he didn't. Uh, but still, I mean, it still could be something where he misses multiple weeks, but not not the rest of the year.
1: Yeah. Uh, Emmanuel Wilson also got hurt in this game. So we yeah. might see some Patrick Taylor on Thursday.
2: Yeah. Very weird play uh, where I don't know what happened. Like he it was kind of grabbing at like his pectoral shoulder. And what looked like just a routine run, you know, didn't take a big hit, didn't really see the, you know, the shoulder or the arm bend in an odd way, but he was in, in obvious pain. And that was right after Aaron Jones went out. Um, so yeah, we saw some Emmanuel Wilson. We saw, saw a whole lot of A.J. Dillon uh, who played 52 snaps for Green Bay, but they were, that was basically their only option toward the end.
1: 14 of tw- 14 for 29 on the ground, so you saw a lot of them. Wish you didn't. Um, yeah. long run of six for AJ Dillon. Uh, that's, that's
2: about right. Um, uh, last thing I'm going and that's
1: against the Chargers.
2: Yeah, dude, don't, don't even get me started, man. He's he's very, very, very bad. Uh, a big injury for the Chargers, not not huge for fantasy purposes, but Joey Bosa uh lived off yeah. the field, you know, it was in tears, had the towel over his face on the cart, you know, something you see a few times every season and you usually know where that's headed. So I guess, you know, hopefully it's an Aaron Jones situation for him, but I mean, that looked like something that, that could knock him out for the rest of the year. So keep an eye on that for the chargers.
1: Absolutely. Uh, Before we move on to the next game, quick note from our good friends at Circa, get ready for the ultimate big game parties at Circa resort and casino. Super Sunday is in Las Vegas this year. Watch the big game poolside at stadium swims, big game viewing party. Massive scream, booming game sound, and trust me, it is booming there, and a view of the pyrotechnic and visual effects throughout the game. Snag the best seat in the sun with daybeds, poolside boxes, cabanas, and more. Or touchdown at the world's largest sports book, Circus Sports for the Big Game Bash. Three stories of football glory featuring a 78 million pixel screen. Book your seat with a variety of reservation op- options, including bottle service, open bar, stadium-style food, and more. Don't miss these legendary viewing experiences on February 11th. The big game parties, only at Circa Resort and Casino, reserve today at circa.lasvegas.com. All right, let's move on to Cowboys and the Rams. All not I'm sorry. Cowboys and Carolina. Not CAR, not LAR. Good good penmanship, Jeff. Um I'm left-handed. Don't 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 hate on me for that. Um I I do have the I have the claw. It's just terrible.
2: Hey, you I I golf lefty. I understand.
1: Yes. um All right. So Dallas, Carolina, Dallas always seems to get these opponents. Like every week they get a punch down opponent. I don't understand how they get such a cush schedule. They get the commanders this week. Yeah. They, maybe they don't cover because it's Thanksgiving or something. But again, just I, they've been doing a great job of punching down. It took them a while to kind of get going in this one. Carolina scored a touchdown. You're starting to think, oh, okay, and they might get the, the sneaky cover here. Nah, no. Nope. Dallas got a Tony Pollard touchdown, then a pick six, and it's all over.
2: Yeah, Dallas, for the most part, when they win, they win big. The only exception this entire season is that that win over the Chargers in like week six or seven when they won by three. Other than that, you you beat the Giants by 40, the Jets by 20, the Patriots by 35, the Rams by 23, uh, the Giants by 32 last week, and then a 23-point win over Carolina. Uh, This is one that we used in the circuit contest. Like you said, it was not it wasn't a full on lock the entire way, you know, Carolina mm-hmm. put up a touchdown in the third quarter to, to make things interesting. And you felt like the back door might be open there, but uh, pick six by Bryce young, the fourth of the year for Deron Bland, uh, which ties the NFL record still with seven games to play uh, that that's what really put this one out of reach. Dallas goes up 30 to 10 at that point early in the fourth quarter, Carolina, uh, of course, sack fumble on the next drive. And, and that was really their last gas, but yeah, this is what Dallas does, whether they're at home or on the road, you know, they will take care of business in these situations against inferior teams. Their schedule does pick up toward the end. You know, they have a four game run where they face Seattle, Philly, Buffalo, Miami, and, and Detroit. So actually five games in a row that are pretty tough, but yep. uh, those are, those are bookended by matchups against the commanders, uh, including this week on, on Thanksgiving. So good luck there, Washington. I think they're running into a buzzsaw and I, I think this Dallas team, is, is heating up at the right time. And I think they're on the short list of teams that could could make or win the Super Bowl at this point. Another good game for Dak Prescott. I mean, didn't really have to do a whole lot. Uh, you know, Dallas, you know, really kind of tried to rely on the run game. It wasn't like a, it wasn't like a smash day for Tony Pollard, you know, 12 for 61 and a touchdown, but he looked good. Uh, Ceedee lamb got his, had an early touchdown six for 38. Uh, but yeah, not, not a whole lot to say here. I mean, the, the Panthers are kind of still who they are, right. Where Adam Thielen's going to give you high volume every week. Other than that, there's just not not a whole lot here for fantasy.
1: Yeah. Frank Reich calling the calling the plays didn't save him. Yeah. Uh, let's go Shocking. figure. Uh Jay Glazer had a report that Reich is the most likely of head coaches to be fired, He's even out. though it's his first year, which is interesting. Uh prediction after Carol after Dallas and Washington on Thanksgiving, even if it's like a close result with the Washington loss. It'll truly be Black Friday for Ron Rivera. I think they he would have been yeah. fired but for it being the short week this week.
2: I think so. Yeah, I think it makes sense playing on Thanksgiving. You got the extra time. Um, you know, my, my guess is but we'll probably get the Jay Glazer report on like Thursday morning that it's like, you know, Ron Rivera's out if they lose this game, and they will lose that game. So I think you're right. Yeah, I, I would say he's like minus one fifty right now to be out of a job by by Friday morning. Uh you know, Carolina, the offense is just it doesn't matter who's calling the plays. Like, it's just not a good offense. They have no ability to throw the ball downfield. They don't seem all that interested in doing it. I don't know if it's a Bryce Young trust issue. I don't know if it's a lack of weapons. Uh, but, you know, obviously they're not built to come from behind. They're not really built to to lead games either. Uh, their only win, you know, coming over the Texans, which kind of looks a little bit fluky now uh, in hindsight. But, I mean, you it looked look at fluky
1: then, too. It was like 15-13. It was just like right. a penalty-filled, ugly game.
2: yeah. Yeah, I mean, since then, they've scored 13, 13, and 10. Uh, they're a team that struggles to get to 20 points against just about everybody. And, yeah. you know, pretty soft schedule the rest of the way. They got Titans, Bucks, Saints, Falcons, Packers, Jags, Bucks. I I don't think anything changes. I, I think they're a team that it doesn't really seem to matter who they play. You know, it, it's it, it, unless they can get a couple fluky plays here and there. You know, they had a punt return against Chicago that kept them in there. They're, just, they're, they're not an offense right now that could keep up with really anybody.
1: Yeah, uh, agreed. Agreed. When you can't, when you can't put points on Chicago, you just, you just can't put points period. Um, yeah, less said about that game, the better let's move on. on. My Miami and Vegas was closer than expected. My favorite stat from this game though, was the first nine drives Miami did not punt. They had 17 points after that two touchdowns and a field goal. They had a missed field goal. They had turnovers. They had failed fourth downs. Maybe, uh, you know, yeah, right before halftime counts as one of those drives. I forget, but point was they left a lot of points on the field. They, yeah, they, they they should have done a lot more, but they also never really were like, oh, this is the machine we're talking about either. Though, um, they just were a little off. Of course, losing Devin Devin Hn so quickly in that game, huge disappointment fantasy, but also I think to that offense too, uh, they just didn't fully get untracked against a pretty bad Raiders defense.
2: Yeah, that was surprising uh this was one that we we opted to stay away from in the circuit contest yeah the number had ballooned all the way up to I think it was 13 and a half that it locked at and I was just like yeah that's, that's a little too much yeah the Raiders are, are playing frisky but I, I certainly expected you know Miami to to at least win this game by 10 points and it was it was pretty shocking that they didn't I mean it, it is one like you said they left so many points on the board I mean they, they put up 422 yards of total offense they held the Raiders under 300 total yards but I thought the, the the Vegas rush defense, especially, showed up. And, and losing HN, I think it was. I mean, he played like he had one carry. I don't even know how many snaps he played, but it wasn't many. Uh, I think that was big. You know, I think they expected this to be a spot where you know the return of HN. There's a lot of excitement. They want to get him involved, and then to have that taken away maybe threw them off a little bit early in the game. But yeah, you know, Raheem Mostert under four yards of carry against what has yeah. not been a great defense this season. I mean, the Dolphins. Only had one rushing play that went for double digit yards. And that was 10 yards by Mostert. I mean, this is a team that's ripping off huge plays on the ground all year. Uh so that was that was big, you know, preventing the big plays if you're Vegas. Uh and they really only had a couple of big passing plays as well. One of them was a long touchdown to Tyree Kill. Uh Robbie, formerly Anderson, now Robbie Chosen, uh, had the other. Uh it was not a great game for Tua. 28 of 39, 325, two touchdowns and a pick. Doesn't look like a bad line. I thought. I thought more so than he's done for for much of the year. He was kind of locking in on receivers. Uh, you know, had a, a couple more balls that probably should have been intercepted by the Raiders. Like it was, it, it's going to go down as a, a decent game stats wise for him. But I, I didn't think yeah. Tua was really as locked in as he's normally been.
1: Yeah, um, and and then all that said, not locked in as as he normally is, and all that. Still a 300 yard passing game. Right. Uh despite all that, almost all Tyreek Hill Tyreek Hill by the way briefly left this game for a hand injury. Yeah. Seems like he does this like every other game where he briefly leaves and comes back. 10 for yeah. 146 for him. Uh Waddle only 4 for 55. Uh eh, yeah, Julian Hill lost a fumble, Tua lost a fumble on a play that originally was ruled down and then no, he wasn't down because no one touched him even though he dove. Uh just just all around a meh sort of game. And, you know, under were yeah. loving it though.
2: Yeah, weird, weird game, weird game for sure. Like you said, missed field goal, couple fumbles. You know, uh, they they went out on on downs and you know deep in Raiders territory. They had a fourth and one uh, at the Las Vegas three, which again, importantly, it was not fourth a goal. You just need one yard, and they ran. They ran like a quick screen to Tommy yep. kill That was just oh immediately yeah, immediately right. blown up. Yeah, went for ended up going for a loss. Um, so you know that's one where obviously in hindsight you, you could just take the field goal or you probably run a different play and at least get the first down. Uh, but that's, that's the thing with Miami. It's like, it, it's a blessing and a curse. Right. But like, it, it does feel like the games where the offense has struggled, like this is a team that if they're not rolling right away, you, you kind of feel like they're pressing. Right. And they're like, wait, why are, why are we not ripping off big plays? Why are we not scoring every time? And I, I think that's a good thing because you keep your, you keep the pedal to the metal. Like they're the team that, you know, can always pull away and, and give you like two touchdowns in the last five minutes, just because that's, that's kind of the offense that they are. Um, but if things are not clicking for them early on, they, they, they tighten up a little bit.
1: Yep yep exactly they do Raiders side of things Josh Jacobs was pretty limited uh of course when they they were they were playing catch-up although it was always like within a score um Adams had his game Jacoby Myers did not uh four for 49 for Jacoby I guess that's not that's not too bad it's not just destruction Michael Mayer four for 46 in that one there ah not much else I can say about the Raiders they are who they are
2: yeah. They, they had two chances to tie this up at the end and both drives ended in picks by Aiden O'Connell. Uh, the first one was a, a fourth down and just you know didn't really have a whole lot there. And then with about 30 seconds left, you know, took a shot to the end zone. And, you know, I, you, you'll trust, uh, I, I forget who was, tar- I think he was looking for Devontae Adams. There's another receiver in the area. And then, you know, Jalen Ramsey just comes out of nowhere and, and makes a diving interception, which, it's yep. kind of a reminder that yes, when healthy, this guy is still one of the best corners in the league. Uh, he had a huge day, and it's as in my mind changed this Miami defense. I mean, this is this is a, a game where Miami probably feels like it played like a C minus game overall. Um, mm-hmm. So it, it's gonna it's gonna go down as a disappointment. You know, kind of in the same way we talked about Detroit Chicago. Um, but you know, I, I think a lot of times you end up losing this game straight up, and you feel a lot a lot you know worse about it going forward. Um, so I, I think Miami obviously didn't play the game that it wanted, but you get the win here, and you'll take it.
1: Absolutely, absolutely. Ramsey did get banged up on that last interception, yeah. too. Something to watch for in practice yep. this week. Houston, Arizona. We saw CJ Stroud have an incredible first half and a not so great second half. Three interceptions total. Uh, all the scoring ha- for them happened in the first half. Held on for dear life. It's how many times, how many bullets did they dodge with Arizona driving late? Oh, my God. Um, but yeah. And if you got, depending on when you got it, you might have even still got a cover with, despite all of that mess, but uh, Stroud still got over 300 yards, but it wasn't his best game.
2: No, it wasn't. I mean, he was amazing in the first half, you know, and you started to see the, the MVP narrative start to, start to creep in again. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, you know, ended up throwing three picks uh, one of them in the first half and then two more on consecutive possessions in the second half. Uh, but, you know, Stroud on balance still looked, I, I thought pretty incredible. One of the interceptions was tipped. The other two were bad. You know, those were those were just kind of rookie quarterback type of throws that have not been emblematic of the year that he's had. But you said it. I mean, Houston did not score in the second half. They did not score in the second half. They threw – they missed a field goal. They threw two picks. Uh, they, they really did not <laughs> – didn't really threaten to score at all uh, in that second half. And you know, time and time again, I mean, the, the, the Cardinals had chances to seize this game. And I, I think they should have won it. I really do. Uh, you know, they, they went out on downs at the Houston 23 early in the fourth. Uh, They went out on downs around midfield on their next drive. uh, And then of course, went out on downs again with about 35 seconds left late in the fourth quarter. I mean, they, it felt like they kept putting together great starts to drives, you know, like they were, you know, James Conner was looking good. They're, they're ripping off some, some fairly big plays and then they would get to like the 45 yard line and everything would just grind to a halt.
1: Yep. Yep. There was the, (laughs) seeing the comment from uncle Ted, Greg Dorch, who, well, the Dorch was not lit on that fourth down play. Uh, Just couldn't get to the marker. I mean, this was a game of almost for Arizona. If Arizona converts that two, two point conversion, that last drive, all they need is a field goal to tie the game. And who knows, you know, what sort of result we get. And yeah. Murray was stopped just short of the goal line on that one after running for a touchdown, the play before again, Murray is running a lot. Um, yeah. He looks fast. Um, I'm not sure about the passing game so much. They got the early touchdown of to Rondale Moore it was his only target all game, but uh, yeah. got it anyhow, nonetheless. Uh, That was a
2: a hell of a throw by Murray too.
1: It was. It was great. It was perfect. Uh, Great ball fake on that one. Worked like a charm. Uh, You know, so we'll see uh, what happens with this offense going forward. They face the Rams this week, host the Rams. I think I used the Rams and survivor against Arizona earlier this year. I think I might take the, I don't know what the line is yet in this one. Don't tell me. Um, But I I think I'm going to be viewing Arizona kindly. I'm going to probably set my own line. be more positive than i've been on the cardinals all year i think that they're all right
2: you know record wise they're probably right where we thought they would be right if you said all right 11 games in they're two and nine they're 0-6 on the road you'd say yeah that makes sense but i mean this team they have they have a ton of fight right i mean they've really the only game where they haven't really showed up was the clayton tune game against cleveland other than that i mean they've they've pushed everybody right i mean they they even like gave the 49ers a, a pretty decent run all the way back in week four uh, and I thought played them about as well as they could have, given the talent discrepancy and, and the fact that mm-hmm. the Niners were rolling and healthy at that time. So, yeah, this was a game that they should have won. I, I think they should be two and zero, honestly, uh, with, with with Kyler Murray back in the mix. And for for AFC South purposes, I, w- I was certainly rooting for for Arizona. And now, you know, of course, we get that that showdown between the Jags and the Texans coming at us on Sunday. Uh, but from this game specifically, not a whole lot else to pass along. I mean, Tink Dell just continues to be one of the best rookie receivers that we've seen. Uh, maybe the best and
1: it oh, that's question wide receiver.
2: Oh. oh my dude, him like they have like there's like a magical route with him where he kind of runs that that in to out and and CJ Stroud just can just find him seemingly at will for like 15 to 25 yard games whenever he wants. I mean Tank Dell is a, a real time dude. I mean he has now four games on the year with 20 plus PPR points. He's up to wide receiver 16. I mean he's having he's having basically the same fantasy season right now as brandon iuk and you know we, we think about iuk as one of the big breakouts of the year so uh yeah i mean I, I don't think it's slowing down anytime soon i think early in the year you have these big like back and forth games and houston was frisky but we didn't really know if they were that good i mean Tank dell has solidified himself as a real weapon and obviously cj stroud is is one of the best rookie quarterbacks we've ever seen so i, I think there's plenty of viability with that going forward and i'm i'm, I'm just interested to see like where's tank dell two three years from now
1: yeah yeah uh so funny how that works. And meanwhile, there's Quentin Johnston just dropping uh, things. Just imagine an alternate universe where they had tank Dell instead of Johnston right now. Yeah, man. Oh, uh. yeah.
2: <laughs> it would have been a wild pick at the time. Uh, but yeah, yeah,
1: not. clearly. Yeah. But, uh, you know what? Also Stroud throwing people open too. I mean, we got to just got to admire the throw on that one too is again, just perfectly in stride. Just, you know, can say can't say enough superlatives about him uh a, a team we can' say enough superlatives about and one would be too many is Pittsburgh after the Cleveland Pittsburgh debacle uh man a lot of unders this week I mean you, you the NFL tried to, it's like I like I made the Iowa parallel and they still managed to live below those expectations it was very very low bar set set the set the total at 33 and a half no problem we can get way under that if you're Cleveland and Pittsburgh uh what a what oh horrible horrible game i guess if you like offense if you like defense and miles garrett great um but man kenny pickett i'm sure you saw that super cut of like all Pickett's throws beyond 10 yards on twitter yesterday just just don't watch it it's just it hurt it sears the eyeballs
2: yeah he got outplayed by dorian thompson robinson who i did not think DTR was going to attempt 43 passes in this game. That was the single like most surprising stat is that, you know, it, it still felt like despite him throwing that much, Cleveland was playing really, really conservative football. Uh, but I, you know, even though they weren't very effective, I, I thought this would be a, you know, Kareem Hunt or Rome Ford, both 15 plus carry type of game. Uh, Thompson Robinson for the most part did not look great. Uh, you know, no. just kind of look like a, a slightly more competent version of the guy that we saw against Baltimore. Earlier in the season, at a, a big interception on a third down in Pittsburgh territory, when the Browns were on the verge of field goal range, probably would have tried it uh, had he not thrown that one. Uh, but of course, Pittsburgh immediately went three and out and punted it back. Uh, it just—it just didn't really matter, you know how how incompetent the Browns were. I mean, these were these were the Browns' second half drives, Jeff. Punt, punt, interception, punt, 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 game-winning field goal. I mean, that's that's <laughs> kind of the story of this game. No I mean, one saw was... that
1: one coming either. Yeah, it's crazy. Um... Yeah, and
2: really, Pittsburgh, like, Pittsburgh's entire. Offensive output was like one long Jalen Warren, 74 yard touchdown on there on like the second play of the third quarter that kind of rocketed them back into this game. They were down 10, nothing at the half and that almost felt insurmountable. And I guess in some ways it ended up being insurmountable.
1: And then two 20 yard runs in the fourth quarter there to set up the field goal. And you're like, okay. And and you thought they were driving for a touchdown perhaps, but nope. had to get other people involved, had to get picking involved again. Uh, Mike, well, uh, Mike Tomlin, when asked about whether, you know, they, he, he regretted only giving Warren 12 touches, like, no, you know, like, why? No, Next question. Yeah. I mean, Brandon Staley. Staley Don't yeah. ask him that question again. Oh, wait. How, how dare, dare you? Yeah.
2: Yeah. I mean, Najee Harris ended up out snapping Jalen Warren uh, 33 to 26. They were pretty equal, uh, you know, in terms of, of routes run and carries and things like that. I mean, obviously, Jalen Warren more of a threat catching the ball out of the backfield, but it's not like that's something that Najee Harris can't do. I think in theory right. he can. Uh, yeah. I mean, just a brutal, brutal game offensively for Pittsburgh. And you, you mentioned like that one, like the best drive that they put together all day was a 13 yard field goal drive. And it certainly felt like they were marching toward a touchdown. Like they were moving the ball. You know, you're starting to, to kind of feel like the crowd in, in Cleveland was getting a little uncomfortable. You know, they had just punted like four times in a row and miles Garrett on a second and 12 comes in and sacks, Kenny Pickett for a big loss. And all of a sudden it's third and 22 for the Steelers. And they had obviously no chance to pick that up. So that was, you right. know, it was another huge game for miles Garrett. He had two sacks. That was as big of a play as anybody made in this whole game to essentially put an end to what could have been a touchdown drive.
1: Yeah, uh, exactly. Um, and, yeah, a lot of hard questions. Like you alluded to earlier, Mason Rudolph was trending on Twitter uh, this morning. Never Some did. of that also was because there was a play where Pickett's helmet came off, and there was a little <laughs> joke about. Not, and I think Garrett might have picked it up, and the yeah. line were like, "Not now, Miles," or something like
2: that. Yeah. But, yeah. Yeah, so, which, is, which is good clean fun. That, that, that's like legit funny stuff. That's not athlete funny.
1: Yeah, I, I'm sure he'll get fined for that because the NFL still find a way to find every yeah. single player all their salary. It's That's that's one of the big, uh, the underbellies of the NFL. Player fines and like the reliance on painkilling, uh, shoot, shooting him up and all that. Two yeah. really sordid stories in the NFL that don't get talked yeah. about enough. But that's another soapbox for another day. Yeah. Uh, before we get on our next soapbox, a uh, quick note from our friends at Splash Sports. RotoWire is proud to partner with Splash Sports for the 2023 fantasy football season. Splash Sports empowers gaming commissioners to earn by creating contests. Commissioners can set up contests, add their style, and enjoy the evolving Splash Sports platform for customized preferences. From daily to season long contests, Splash Sports caters to various playing styles, such as DFS, Pick X, and Traditional Survivor and unlike traditional sports books splash sports pits you against friends and family not the house splash goes beyond betting a space where friends can connect strategize and share in the excitement of sports rotowire will be running weekly dfs tiers contests on splash sports all season can you beat the rotowire experts visit rotowire.com/splash to enter today here with Nick Whalen as we uh, move on to cover the afternoon and evening slates. Let's talk. Uh, start with Niners and Tampa Bay. I think we kind of both thought this was going to be a Niners taking business sort of taking care of business sort of game, and but for a little late game excitement, that was pretty much the case.
2: Yeah, I, I think it was. Uh, I mean, Tampa Bay had multiple chances to ruin the cover here, uh, so we we thank you, San Francisco, and that defense for. Uh, getting a few stops at the end of this game. I mean, Tampa Bay uh, ended up going out on downs on a 17 play drive uh, at one point in the fourth quarter. Uh, Baker threw a pick on the next drive and then uh, they got the ball back after stuffing the 49ers on fourth and one at midfield. If they pick that up, the game is basically over. It was on the other yep. side of the two minute warning, but like worst case scenario, you know, Tampa's getting the ball back with like 40 seconds. Uh, they don't get that. Tampa Bay takes over at midfield. And, you know, ends up uh, you know, just kind of ending in your, your typical, like it's fourth and 18 and Baker Mayfield just has to throw a uh, you know a Hail Mary down there. So we almost lost the cover, but we thank you, San Francisco, for guiding us to a three and two week in the circuit contest. Uh, but yeah, the 49ers, I, I think you know they, they probably feel like they could have scored another touchdown or two. I mean, at one point they scored on, I think, five consecutive drives. And, you know, the offense after their their final touchdown and what ended up being their final point of the game uh, late in the third quarter, they, they kind of turtled up, you know. They they went three and yeah. out a couple of times. They uh, they they had that that drive that ended up going out on downs, and I, I think they just kind of turned off the aggression at that point, knowing that Tampa Bay was probably not getting back into the game. Uh, but Brock Purdy, perfect passer rating, twenty one of twenty five, three hundred thirty three yards in three touchdowns. Big game for Brandon Ayuk had a long seventy six yarder uh, that guided him to a five for one fifty six day. George Kittle got his. Debo Samuel got his. Christian McCaffrey not, not a great day. You know, there are a few plays where McCaffrey took some hard hits was just getting blown up yep. by Vita Vea, uh, but still 21 for 78. You'll take it uh, five for 25 and a touchdown, uh, through the air. I, I think in a lot of ways, this one went about as expected, like Tampa Bay, they're four and six. They're not a good team, but you know they're, they're good enough to, to kind of hang around and, and give good teams uh, a little bit of trouble. And that's exactly what happened here.
1: Yeah, exactly. Uh, did have one serious injury, uh, that was, uh, Hifanga, their, their, uh, yeah. safety tore his ACL on that one there. Uh, yeah, that's, that, that, that's, that's huge. That's pretty big. And, you know, Tampa did move the ball. I mean, first of all, he got hurt on a play where they uh, had a big play. Uh, mm-hmm. and Tampa did move the ball through the air a little bit after that. Uh, although it's funny, uh, neither, uh, Evans nor Godwin had any big plays necessarily. Yeah. Uh, it was Kate Otten with the big play, I think. And then, you know, and then Rakeem Jarrett had that one. Yeah. Um, but, I think the uh,
2: play is where, is where it felt like they really missed Ufanga. I mean, he ran right past the the replacement safety, and they they noted that right. on the broadcast too. So that, I mean, that's you don't really think of it because they have so much talent on both sides of the ball that we don't really talk about Ufanga all that much. But that is that is a big big time loss, and obviously he's not coming back this year. So uh, you know, maybe not as impactful as some of the injuries that we saw on Thursday night, but uh, certainly something that that could have a bigger impact when we get into the playoffs
1: exactly exactly um so um yeah that that's something to be concerned about quick turnaround for the niners going to seattle this weekend or for thanksgiving i should say uh so they'll have to to adjust to that a little bit uh, pretty quickly brandon Ayuk, special love for him he was having a big year even before this game uh he's averaging 3.4 yards per route run uh like some of the all-time seasons are like 3-1-3 3.15 yeah he's at 3.4. It, it, it's, it's, it's ludicrous how good he is. It's just, he doesn't get volume because McCaffrey gets his cause they have Debo because they have Kittle. Uh, but I so good.
2: Yeah. I mean, I fully co-signed that. He's awesome. Uh, somebody got off to a little bit of a slow start, you know, as part of that, uh, that draft where, you know, all these big time receivers ended up blossoming early in their careers. And yes, that's right. Uh, you know, he's not, he's not going to be Jamar Chase, Justin Jefferson, but he's, he's one step below, man. And it's just, it's a rich get richer thing, right? It's like these are these are the type of players that you need to turn into like big time dudes if you want to win Super Bowls, right? Like you you already have your your core guys, but somebody that you take late in round one, you know, turning into a top flight receiver when you already have Debo, you already have Kittle, you got McCaffrey. Uh, yeah, that's that's really what takes you from like a really good team to a great team.
1: Yep, that's right. Um, and the Nick Bosa contract may prevent the Niners from being able to afford Iyuk. It might be Ayuk and Higgins out on the free agent market this Mm -hmm. offseason, which those are two players that should get absolutely snatched up. But uh, we'll see about that. Two
2: two types of players that don't normally even make it to free agency. I mean, there's going to be be a bidding war for both of those guys.
1: Agreed. Absolutely agreed. All right. Talked about a kind of a fun game. Let's take our medicine talk a little Buffalo Jets. Well, I mean, the big news
2: to pass along, if you haven't heard it, is that Tim Boyle will be our starter for the New York Jets in week 12 uh they get the miami dolphins in the black friday game so best of luck to our our guy tim boyle who came on in relief and it was funny i, I think it was like Rappaport or, or one of the big you know shefter one of the big time reporters you know tweeted that you know zach wilson is being pulled from the game with it with it being out of reach and like i i don't think they were down that much i think they were down like 20 was it was, did he get pulled when it was 22 six i can't quite remember
1: yeah no, I, think, I, think I think it was, it was top maybe top after top. the last maybe 29 after
2: the last yeah 29 six which like and for the jets it's absolutely out of reach I, i'm not debating that uh but it's it was not out like of the game reach at 13 you know <laughs> right right i mean they they pulled them with like with like three or four minutes left in the third quarter and yeah. you know again it's the jets and they, they they're more they're more realistic than some teams would be but i don't know 29 to 6 like it wouldn't it wouldn't have been that crazy to get a score or two you, you catch a break you mm-hmm. get a pick six all of a sudden you know you're back in this but Yeah. I thought it was just funny that they were like, yeah, this game is totally over still in the third quarter. I mean, it was just kind of the same old thing from Zach Wilson, right? Seven of 15, 81 yards. Did have a touchdown. Uh, That one going to Brees Hall, but also threw a pick. He he just, he looks overwhelmed. Uh, He took five sacks. You know, it was just the usual Zach Wilson getting flushed out and running for his life. And sometimes, you know, making it to the point where he could get a throw off that would land incomplete or out of bounds and sometimes getting sacked. I mean, it's, I, I don't know that Tim Boyle is going to offer anything more. I think there's a reason that the Jets have been hesitant to move away from Zach Wilson. I, I think they feel like it's going to be the same results under Tim Boyle or Tim Boyle, but they finally reached their breaking point. Right. And, you know, I, I think finally. that says more about Zach Wilson. Yeah. I mean, later than they probably should have, but I, I don't think Tim Boyle changes anything. I think they're still going to be a terrible offense. I think they're going to get smacked by Miami uh, on, on black Friday. Uh, but, but we also saw, you know, started some of the tensions just for this team overall, like there were like three or four scuffles that broke out, you know, sauce Gardner got into it. Uh, there was like a, a very dramatic Oscar worthy flop by Dion Dawkins, the offensive lineman for the bills who thought he had drawn a personal foul on the jets, but then they flagged him for the flop. Um, it was just, it was, a, it was a messy game. And if we've kind of been waiting for the Buffalo, you know, like, all right, when do they snap out of the game? Did, did this feel like that to you? Or was it more like, man, the jets are bad.
1: Uh, it's more like the jets are bad. Uh, I thought so I, too, Especially like, you know, early on, you know, the fumble, you know, turnover on the first, uh, first series or, or like an opening uh, kickoff, opening kickoff. That's it. And they got three out of it. They went backwards. Right. It exactly. was just more of the Digs didn't do anything goals on their
2: first three drives.
1: Yep. Um, I, I just, I, I think that, I mean, granted, I think the jets have a way of making every quarterback look bad. So I don't really want to draw too many broad conclusions from yeah. the bills offensive performance. I saw a little bit more James cook. Uh, so that was that was a welcome sight because I you know he's their their best back in my opinion. so you want to see that although Latin Marie got still got found his way into 10 carries uh Ty Johnson had the touchdown uh, on the reception so bully for him, what's it gonna take to get Leonard Fournette in there I mean I, I think fournette I, it's just a straight up cut I mean if he hasn't learned the offense by now it's just what can he do to help us?
2: Yeah, obviously he wasn't active, didn't get any snaps. So yeah, I don't, I don't know if we see him at any point, barring an injury. They still, they still like Latavius Murray, who you know got in the end zone last week as well. Uh, not a whole lot else here. I mean, it's one of those like kind of, kind of felt bad for Brees Hall type of games where you still mm-hmm. see the talent, you still see the burst, but it's just he's kind of by himself out there. Disaster game for Garrett Wilson, two catches on on eight targets for nine total yards. Khalil Shakir had a long touchdown, so you, you see the three for one fifteen. Part of that was an eighty-one yard touchdown reception for him nice day for Dalton Kincaid 6 for 46 but uh not, not a whole lot, a lot else to see here I, I think we can could pretty much move on
1: yeah one other note uh the uh the Jets you know why are they in a position where Tim Boyle's the backup to Wilson anyhow couldn't they made one phone call maybe they did and he just everyone was knew, was holding him hostage for a third round pick or something but why isn't 80 Dalton on this team? at the trade deadline. Why isn't Dobbs on this team at the trade deadline or anybody like that?
2: Hey, I mean, the Browns called up Joe Flacco. Why, why isn't he getting the call again? I don't know. I don't know. It's, it's, it's shocking. It I mean, it, it, it feels like they're to the point now at four and six where like, even if this, this weird, you know, Aaron Rodgers is coming back thing were to happen. I, one, even if he's ready and claims he could play, like I don't think you should even throw him out there. Uh, You know, if they, if they had found a way to kind of hang around 500, yeah, I could, I could maybe see it, but uh, they're to the point now where I think you just got to play out the string and. It's going to be a lost season.
1: Maybe Carolina wasn't budging with Dalton because they needed mentoring duties or something. But I mean, Dalton can play at least a little bit, you know, he'd be better than Wilson. I mean,
2: no question. Way better than Zach Wilson. Way, 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 way better. I mean, he at least gives you a chance to win the 50, 50 games that they've lost this year.
1: Exactly. Exactly. All right. Uh, last of the afternoon games, Rams and the, uh, Seahawks. This was a tale of like two games. Uh, Rams, were, I mean, the Seahawks went up 13 yep. nothing, and the Rams were looking terrible, like horrible. awful, terrible, horrible, no good at all. Uh, and then they, they get the drive before halftime. Um, the Spike Cooper h- Cup getting hurt in the second quarter, and they kept clawing away, and they absolutely shut down Seattle. Just unbelievable how bad Seattle's mm-hmm. offense was in the second half of this game. Field goal in the in the third quarter, and that was it uh Gino Smith got hurt in this game thought that should have been a penalty on Donald especially because other plays later on were called yeah. penalties uh on Seattle Seattle the other story of this game is Seattle committed so many yeah. penalties I mean the the refs had a big day I mean I, if they're getting paid for paid per flag I mean it would have been a profitable yeah. day for them but I'm not convinced the Rams are any good I mean they gave all like the running work to Royce Freeman in this one he had a long one to kind of uh, like a couple of 10 or 15 yarders to make his overall average look all right they mm-hmm. i think they needed to find a way to get nakua involved a little bit more than they did but this keeps them alive in the wild card race and it you know it, it they're at four and six in seattle i mean this was a bad this is a bad loss they can't afford to lose games like yep. this
2: yeah everything you said is, is spot on i mean seattle i think got pretty lucky Two of the last three weeks to escape with wins over Cleveland and Washington, and it looked like they were going to do it again. Potentially, I mean, they had a 55 yarder to win the game uh, at the last second that ended up going wide, uh, but you know they they certainly didn't deserve it. And I think Geno Smith going out for a few series in the second half really changed things. Yeah, you know, we saw the yeah. the token Drew Lock interception, but uh, you know there's just kind of an offense that that had been rolling to some degree in the first half, just completely lost confidence. And I think if anything, it almost gave more confidence to the Rams. Like when they saw Gina go out, it was like, all right, we know we're getting to pick because it's Drew Locke and we're, we're back in this thing. And they certainly yeah. were, uh, you know, we, we should mention Cooper cup went out in the second quarter after having just one catch on one target did not return. They're calling it a low ankle sprain for Cup, So something to keep an eye on going forward. And I think that it makes the second half all that more impressive for the Rams. You know Seattle, like you said, dominated the first half. I, uh, I in my pick'em league, I, I switched to the Rams at the last second. You know, I was, I was reading up on all the trends, and you know, McVay always beats Pete Carroll. And like ten minutes into the game, I'm texting my buddy. He's like, "What? A, I'm so dumb. This is clearly the wrong side." You know, Seattle marches down. They they force a three and out on on the Rams' first drive. They march right down for an easy touchdown. The Rams, you know, go out on downs inside the Seattle five yard line. Uh, but a couple of huge plays after that. I mean, Seattle had two more really nice drives right after and had to settle for field goals. You know, they, they were set up yep. with a a first to 10 at the LA 26. And they were just gashing the Rams the entire way down the field, back-to-back penalties and a legal shift, and then a delay a game. You go from first to 10 at the 26 to first and 20 at the 36. And, and that drive was was basically dead. Uh, you know, had a similar thing play out. They had an intentional grounding call uh, on a third and goal, um, you know, on their on their ensuing drive. So it really felt like it could have been 21 nothing, or at the very least like 17 nothing, Seattle. Uh, but they left some points on the board and, and then the Rams were able to get a touchdown before the half to at least kind of, you know, make this a game that they felt like they could win. But the Rams also didn't play that great in the second half either. I mean, they started no. off with three, three straight punts and, and then threw a pick um, and, and even the drive that they, they ended up getting what, what proved to be the game winning field goal. I mean, they were, they were kind of in this balance of like, all right, we want to burn clock, but we also want to score. And they made a really strange decision. I thought on on second and seven, when I believe Seattle only had one more timeout remaining Rather than run the ball, which, of course, Seattle knew would have been coming, they they throw a, a slant to Puka Nakua, where even if he catches it, he's going to be short. He, he was not going to be in the end zone. It was a low throw, bad throw by Stafford. So they, they basically gifted Seattle what turned out to be like 35 to 40 more seconds that they needed to, to, of course, get into field goal range. It was our guy, DK Metcalf, doing what he did uh, you know, last week. Very similar play, up the middle, big gain. Uh, to set them up and you know the Rams escape with the with the missed field goal but yeah I'm with you I don't I don't think the Rams are like picking up any momentum here I didn't think Stafford really looked all that good he missed Darrell Henderson mm-hmm. wide open down the sideline on what may have been a touchdown at the very least would have been like a 50-yard gain uh, kind of a weird play in the first half too where they had a free play and Stafford you know, lobs it up to Cooper Cup and I don't know if Cup just he looked like a like an outfielder who lost the ball in the lights like he's spinning around and the ball just kind of lands right in front of him uh, so sloppy game for the Rams, lucky to escape with a win, but, uh, you know, if they had lost this game, they basically would have been out of it in the NFC playoff picture.
1: Yeah. Two other Seattle notes: Ken Walker got hurt early with the oblique yes. injury. That's probably, great. probably not going to play. It's Thursday, quick turnaround. And it said, uh, said uh, I think they said something like it was a significant oblique injury too. So sometimes yeah. those I are like le- three was it four legit
2: weeks. was the word. It was a, legit. It was a weird term. That's
1: right. That's yeah. right. That's the word. Uh, the other thing you mentioned the sequence at the end, but, uh, you got to give full justice to this. So Metcalf catches a ball. They get to first in. They get to like the forty yard line with thirty three seconds left and no timeouts. They do a running play with no timeouts up the middle, gain two yards. Have to clock it with eight seconds left. Yeah, what Very a bizarre. disaster of a play call. I mean, it just either Gino checked to this, called it himself, or, or it was just a terrible, awful decision to call that play.
2: So I believe, I believe Gino said that is his headset went out in his helmet and there was some confusion and it's still unclear because Pete Carroll kind of took the high road and his presser Gino took a little bit more accountability I think there was some confusion and they just felt like all right well we, we got to get a playoff here and and that's that's, that's what they went with oh, I, I don't know well, if it was just like a path of least resistance or what uh, but yeah that was I mean that was weird at the time and you know even even kind of weirder to hear the explanation but yeah not, I mean obviously if you watch that kick like if you kicked that from 48 yards instead of 55, it might've been good. It's not like it was missed by
1: that much. It was the exact um, opposite of the week before where the, the announcers were yelling at uh, DK to get down. Yeah. And so they could try another 55 yarder. Well, this is what happens when you settle for a 55 yarder. Exactly. I mean, no, he made a 52 earlier. and I know every kicker is Justin Tucker these days, but still, oh, so bad. So bad. I mean, they they could have called a passing play. They could have clocked it and yeah. had time for two more passing plays. 10 yards would have made all the difference in the world on that kick. And yep. yeah, you can't afford to throw away games like this. Seattle. I mean, they threw away the Cincinnati game too. They should have won that yep. game. They outgained him by like 200 yards. Um, no Gino just doesn't make good decisions. He holds on to the ball too long under pressure. Yep. Um, red zone turnover has been a problem all year. Yeah. Just utter disaster sequence yeah. there.
2: It was, it was good to see him back in the game more than anything. Uh, yeah, you know, kind of looked like—I mean, it looked like a much worse injury at the time. I, I think you know, seeing I the agreed. replay, it looked like he took a helmet to the elbow. Uh, so I, I think we're we're dealing with more of like a bruise situation and something that'll be pain management, you know, as opposed to like an actual injury. And there's already optimism that he's going to play uh, this week. Obviously, yeah. not a, a great matchup against the Forty Um I, We forgot to mention too in the Texans game, backing all the way up like an hour. CJ Stroud took like the hit of the year. Yeah. And I, I, I'm like, you might be done. I mean, that, that looked brutal. I, I think know. he took one playoff. We saw Davis Mills take a couple snaps, comes back in, immediately throws a touchdown.
1: Yeah. And it's like, oh no. Oh, good. He's back. Oh, touchdown. Yay. Yeah. Okay. That's all well. 100%. But maybe that maybe that had a big impact on how he played in the second half, too. So something yeah. something to watch for to see. Like, oh, he popped up in the concussion protocol after all, you know, sort of like that. Um, and same thing with Gino. We'll see how he wakes up feeling today. Um, and what happens in practice uh, there'll be a walkthrough today and tomorrow probably we will not know till wednesday but something also to watch for all right one last game uh the uh, sunday night affair i was kind of like eh, how do we get minnesota denver here turned out to be a pretty good game you know not, not necessarily a lighting up the scoreboard type of game but still pretty entertaining
2: yeah, it was entertaining in its own way, in the way that a Vikings-Broncos game in 2023 is entertaining, right? <laughs> uh, I mean, it was right. back and forth. It was a one-point game. Uh, it was one of those weird ones where, uh, you know, the Vikings cover but don't win on a narrow spread. We've had a, a seems like more than normal uh, this year of those type of games. And I, I know, like, Green Bay and Atlanta have been involved in a bunch of them. Uh, you know, this was another one where, <laughs> in, in the Pickle League, I switched to Denver at the last moment. Uh, I was kind of trying to, to play the board and guess what other people were picking. Didn't feel great about it. Yeah, you know, they did force a fumble on like the fourth play of the game, which was nice, but much like Buffalo, uh, turned that into a pretty sad field goal drive. And, you know, Denver didn't really get a whole lot going offensively. I felt like Minnesota was the better team for most of the game. Mm-hmm. You know, they were the team at least that was able to generate big plays. You know, Hawkinson, Josh Oliver, Addison, even Ty Chandler, Brandon Powell, all those guys had big gains throughout this game. Uh, Denver really couldn't get a whole lot going on the ground. Javante Williams, 11 for 37. Uh, the passing game is just basically, it feels like a default checkdown, 80% of the time. Like Russell Wilson is just kind of setting up screen passes, setting up tunnel screens, setting up, you know, tight end Adam Troutman over the middle, uh, just a weird, I don't know how he got to 259 yards. It didn't, it didn't really feel like Russell Wilson was throwing the ball downfield whatsoever. I'll have to look into, you know, the depth of target numbers on that one. But ultimately, you know, it came down to Josh Dobbs throwing a pick, Josh Dobbs losing a fumble. And Alexander Madison losing a fumble, like those were those were the biggest difference makers in the game, and especially <clears throat> especially the Madison fumble uh, was a huge one because that was one of those oh, drives where really? Minnesota was starting starting to generate big chunk plays. They had the Josh Oliver catch early in the drive, and I mean they were down. Uh, it was a first down at the Denver thirty four yard line, and I mean they were coming away with at least three points on that drive. So that was a a huge huge one. Uh, and then to get the interception to start Minnesota's ensuing drive. Uh, you know, it kind of felt like it was going to be death by a million field goals for Denver. Uh, then a, a really nice play, nice throw by Russell Wilson, uh, finding Cortland Sutton in the end zone. It feels like they're doing that once a game now, where Wilson just kind of you know runs out of time and has to heave one up, and and there's Cortland Sutton. Who uh, you know, I was thinking about this last night, like nobody nobody talks about Cortland Sutton really ever, uh, unless you're talking about fantasy. One of the better, like very clearly not great, but still pretty good receivers in the league. Like he's found a very nice niche as a guy who's like a 84 overall on that end, but. Uh, has had a really nice career so far
1: yeah if it weren't for the bizarreness Mm -hmm. of that miami game where he made amazing catches and amazing blunders all (laughs) in the same game we might even be talking about him as near elite um i mean he just he the last two weeks he's made these plays that you're you're like i can't believe he made that catch and kept his feet in you know uh the 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 monday nighter what that that touchdown was just art how good it was and he had another one of those last night too and then in the game winning one too you know, yeah. that was almost unstoppable. He high pointed that ball and right. it was a, a good throw by Wilson. And he put it in the right spot where only Sutton could come down with it. Found a way to control his body to stay in bounds. I mean, it was just a hell of a play. Yeah, he's he's really good. And it's funny how we were thinking at one point in time that Judy was an upgrade over Sutton. And that's clearly not yeah. the case.
2: No, no, and I mean the—you can't really overstate what a what a nice grab that was by Sutton. Like, it's not—it's not, it's not going to go down as an all-time catch by any means, but he had, I mean there were two Minnesota defenders around him, and he just went—you yep. know—way over both corners. And you could see—I uh, forget who it was that was on coverage, but they—you know—the the, the camera pans to him for the Vikings. He's just looking like—I thought I played that pretty well, man. I <laughs> there's not really a whole lot else I could do there. It was just a, a really nice grab by Cortland Sutton. Uh, bizarre two-point play after that where they just kind of ran this like disjointed Javante Williams play that was like immediately blown up like you definitely you definitely felt like Minnesota was going to put together a better drive the way that they had been moving the ball uh, it was not really a great night I thought for the Denver defense giving up a lot of big plays giving up a lot of third downs a lot of fourth downs Mm -hmm. uh, to Minnesota like I I fully expected Minnesota to at least get a field goal attempt off but uh, there was that, that big intentional grounding on third down that you know, put them in that that classic fourth and twenty-five that just almost never is converted.
1: Yeah. That that two point play though was a cover buster. Oh, I was on the Denver side of things I there. Uh just so many teams like they run their two point plays and they have special plays for two point conversions and it works all the time. And then this was just like dead in the water. You're like, oh come on. Yeah. And of course it's Javante who doesn't get a chance. Every time Javante touches the ball, there's three guys in the backfield. I mean, he, he's a good I don't know player. running. It was so bad. It was so bad. Yeah. Uh, I was
2: I was talking to our guy John McEcky and he 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 was on the under 43 and also on Broncos two and a half. And he's like, Whatever happens here, I'm 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 winning a bet and losing a bet at the same time.
1: That's right. Yeah, that's so funny. Oh man. Oh uh, so bad. So bad. Um Ty Chandler over Alexander Madison in my mind. Um is the better back. Although I think Chandler is the classic, comes in as a change of pace guy, gets some better opportunities obviously his numbers were boosted by the fake punt um baller play call there worked out really well um but he also made some catches he can't pass pro though they showed where he got blown up on the interception um and that, that that is an issue but he can catch um and madison i'm not convinced is all that good of a receiving back and now madison's just i mean that fumble was you can't overstate how important that fumble was in the game
2: it was, it was just a bad fumble right I mean it was it was you know not it looked like a pretty clean exchange like I, I think that was fully on Alexander Madison who's had who's had issues with that this season mostly early in the year when Minnesota was losing like two fumbles a game early on and he seemed like he'd gotten it straightened out but that was that was massive um you know as far as going forward like I I still think they're gonna keep going with Madison I mean you look at the the snap count 23 I mean more than doubling up Ty Chandler like I, I think Chandler has a little more juice I you know, like you said the fake punt is accounting for almost half of his yardage. So you have to take that into account. But uh, if if you just kind of track the usage here, like I think we thought maybe this would be the week, Madison coming off the concussion, I I think they're going to still roll with him.
1: Yeah, I think so too. Um, Other, uh, if you might have missed it, Josh Dobbs got absolutely blown up on the first drive. Um, And, you know, he got checked into the, he was into the blue tent for a second there. Kareem Jackson, again, leading with his helmet um, because he hasn't learned and they, the the broadcast was right to blow him up on that too, uh, but uh, it looks like he, you know this would be another one where oh yeah he's in the concussion protocol on Monday after playing the whole game. Um, I could see that happening. Yeah.
2: Well, I know. I mean, Kareem Jackson's had a few of these incidents already. He's been fined. I think he was suspended earlier this year. Yeah. Four um, games. The NFL. For yep. Yeah. Despite that, the fact that he was not flagged on that play, it wasn't even reviewed or anything. Uh, the NFL is looking into it, so uh, maybe further discipline coming from Kareem Jackson, who is like a repeat, repeat, repeat offender at this point. Um, one other news thing to pass along here, there, there was a, a Ravens press conference this morning, and John Harbaugh said there is a chance that Mark Andrews could come back at some point before the end of the season. We'd be talking playoffs at this point. So, you know, deep into the AFC playoffs, maybe we see Mark Andrews. Yeah. Um, unlikely, but Harbaugh did say that, you know, after some additional testing these last couple of days, the injury is not quite as severe as they initially thought.
1: Who comes back first, Mark Andrews or Aaron Rodgers?
2: <laughs> I don't think we're not seeing Rodgers, man. It just doesn't make sense. It doesn't Such, make sense.
1: And and maybe the Jets were hanging on to that lie, and that's why they didn't trade for a veteran. But oh my goodness, um, you know, hey, but he's out there throwing the ball. He looks good throwing the ball. Warm ups before the game, but on a national televised game. You know. Yeah, come All on. Right. Yeah, yeah. I just right.
2: look. I I I'm willing to like. It's not that crazy that, you know, Aaron Rodgers could push to come back. I still don't think it would be a good idea, even if the Jets were in playoff contention, but with them out of it, like what's the upside here? It's, it, you know, Rodgers is not retiring. Like, you you got to take your chances and run it back next year.
1: Exactly. Exactly right. All right. Uh, I think we'll wrap up on that note. Thanks to everybody jumping in the live chat during the, during this. And thanks for those of you listening on your downloads on the, on the podcast side. We do truly appreciate it. Thanks to Circus Sports and Splash Sports uh, for your sponsorship. Please, if you're uh, doing it, if you're on YouTube, uh, just hit that subscribe button or, or wherever you get your podcast, hit that subscribe button and automatically get notified whenever the next podcast drops. And that's not just for Nick and I, but all of the RotoWire wire podcasts, uh, including Jake uh, Latarski and Joe Bartle tomorrow, Talking Free Agents. Lots to talk about, especially with this sh- the short week, the Thanksgiving and Black Friday slate. So lots to talk about this week. Thanks for listening. Take care.